0: Welcome to this episode of Redefining Rivalries. Redefining
1: Rivalries. Redefining Rivalry. Rivalry.
0: Rivalry. Redefining Rivalries. Sponsored generated content for Showtime. Produced by Wall Street Journal Custom Studios, a unit of the Wall Street Journal Advertising Department. Rivalry is not one of the seven deadly sins. But perhaps it should be the unofficial eighth. Since the time of Cain and Abel, duking it out competitively or creatively with a sibling, friend, or foe to get ahead, gain a coveted prize, or to simply curry favor, can bring out the very best in us, or our absolute worst. In the hit Showtime series, Billions, the hot light of rivalry is on full display. The show centers on the intense antagonistic relationship between adversaries Bobby Axelrod, played by Damian Lewis a successful but ethically challenged hedge fund mogul. What have I done wrong, really? Except make money, succeed. All these rules and regulations, arbitrary, chalked up by politicians for their own ends. And Chuck Rhodes, played by Paul Giamatti, an ambitious but ethically challenged U.S. attorney. Now you
1: say you don't think you've harmed anyone. I say that the effect is the same, worse even, because you infect the entire world. You throw the whole system off balance, leaving chaos and poverty in your wake.
0: Billions returns February 19th with new episodes Sunday nights at 10, 9 central on Showtime. Hedge fund moguls like Bobby Axelrod have long had the reputation for maximizing profits at any cost. Ethical or moral boundaries be damned. And whether that's a fair assessment, it's still safe to say that those managing the trillions of dollars invested by pension funds, cities, universities, foundations, and wealthy individuals are out to make the most money for their clients. That usually means looking at a company's balance sheet, not on how much good it's doing for the world. But Thomas Van Dyke has taken on that bottom-line mentality and set himself up to be the main rival to the traditional titans of investing. Van Dyke is part of a growing movement called socially responsible investing, and his latest effort has been to get money out of oil, gas, and coal companies and into renewable energy. He's currently a financial advisor for RBC Wealth Management. it 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 all started for Tom Van Dyke in the 1980s in New York, an environmental activist pushing companies to move into clean energy he decided on a pretty dramatic career change into finance. Some would say he joined the enemy his side had been fighting against so fiercely.
1: Yeah, I think there was a light bulb moment actually back in the early 80s when I was working to close down nuclear power plants back east, do media campaigns to close down local nuclear power plants through activating neighbors and the people that lived around the nuclear power plants. What I realized in discussions with the utilities and the energy infrastructure around nuclear power is that this was really the most expensive and dangerous way to boil water on the planet and that we had the arguments of social justice environmental on our side And we also had the economic argument. Van Dyke
0: had come across a study showing that using renewable power like wind and solar could actually help grow the economy. And his dealings with big energy companies taught him one thing, that money talks louder than words. So he left the protests behind and
1: turned to one of his biggest rivals, Wall Street. The markets will create the change quicker because business will react when they see a change in the business opportunity. So I thought that they would react really quickly to the economic signals that things were shifting. And so I thought to myself, well, where where could I actually do this kind of activism through the markets and kind of drive that kind of change?
0: Van Dyke moved to San Francisco and joined one of the city's six major brokerage firms. But he clashed early and often with the traditional philosophy of financial investing.
1: Well, the old way was the way that kind of led to the financial crisis, right? Everyone's trying to figure out a way to make their money and go home. And in a way, the bank's like, "Okay, we're going to reward that activity a little bit because you're going to be making a short-term dollar. So Van Dyke
0: began what would become a three-decade-long battle for the soul of investing, working within the system to take on his fiercest naysayers.
1: I think people want their money to represent the values that they live in their life. And I think the disconnect between how their money is invested and what they believe in doesn't need to exist. Furthermore, I think that you can make as much money, if not more, in a way that represents what you believe in by doing that with less risk. You can choose something that's much more aligned in what you believe in and what your kids are going to want to inherit.
0: For Van Dyke, this
1: moral imperative,
0: this sense of doing what's right, is crucial. But on Wall Street, the attitude of we've got to make as much money as possible dominates. So Van Dyke has shown his rivals that they don't have to choose one side
1: or the other. You can do both. And that's the nice thing. If, I mean, you ask a question, people go, how many people here think you need to give up return for doing socially responsible investing? And everyone raised their hand. And then you ask the question, well, if you didn't have to give up the return, how many people here would pursue socially responsible investing of being able to match your values with the investment? And of course, everyone raised their hand if they didn't think they had to give a return. Because we have to keep in mind, we are investors, so we are here to make money for our clients.
0: The data shows that an index of socially responsible companies has outperformed the S&P 500 since 1990. And Van Dyke thinks they can keep beating the standard
1: moving forward. So Wall Street has been stuck in this area of just analyzing spreadsheets, which you need. You need nice revenues, good cost controls, nice net income to make all of your company work from a quantitative perspective to make money and do well. You also, though, on the qualitative side, need to have the governance in place, the environmental sustainability in place, and the social part about what you give back to your community in place to build your brand.
0: From organic food to fair trade clothing, more and more consumers are looking beyond just the price tag. A 2015 poll found that 66 percent of global consumers
1: say they're willing to pay more for sustainable brands. And I think that one of the mega trends that's taking place in our society is this idea of transparency. So people are going to start taking their money and say, you know, when I go buy a product, what is that company doing? When I go stay in this hotel, are they recycling? When I go buy a car, what kind of car do I want? When I go take my money and purchase it, my purchasing dollars contribute to how a company is going to behave and the kind of products they produce.
0: Van Dyke has used his leverage as a shareholder to nudge companies to be more sustainable. But he's found that harnessing the power of industry competition and rivalry
1: can be even more effective. So, for example, the idea of recycling computers. I mean, we saw there were going to be a number of computers that were going to be just thrown into waste sites and dumped. And the heavy metals and whatnot would be going to the underground water. So we went to Dell Computer and Apple Computer. And we said, you all are a clean industry, but you have a problem here. You're not recycling your products. We're shareholders. What are you all going to do about this? We met with Dell and it ended up that Michael Dell showed up in the meeting. And then we asked, how many people around here have like a closet full of computers that you want to get rid of? You know, everyone raised their hand. We said, what if we offer to take back our old Dell computers for a new Dell computer and we'll recycle it for them? Well, we'll lock in the next trade. What if we offer to take back Apple computers, IBM computers, and everybody else's computer for a Dell computer? Well, now we'll expand our market share. So Michael Dell's like, well, you know, that's not a bad idea. So in six weeks, literally, he had a computer recycling program going on. He thought it was a great idea. And so he became a, a spokesperson for the movement. And in the case of Apple Computer, we finally got a meeting with Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs and Apple were known to be better than
0: anyone else at capitalizing on competitive advantage. He sat down and he said, here's what we're going to do.
1: He said, we're going to start recycling our computers and we're going to get up to 30% in the next two or three years. We pushed back on him. I asked him a question. I said, so... So do you believe that if you make the greenest computer, you will sell more computers? It's the most recycled. He said, no. So then I took the other side of the trade was, so do you believe that if you're a lagger, you'll sell less computers? He said, yes. He said, my customers deserve better, my shareholders deserve better, and my employees deserve better, and I want to beat Michael Dell, and that's why we're going to be doing computer recycling. So the idea of competitive rivalries, right? Turning to the environment, scientists say global temperatures continue to rise. Of the hottest years ever recorded, 16 of the top 17 have occurred since 2000. And 2016 is now considered the hottest Still, year on record. Still,
0: one opponent throughout second. Van Dyke's career has been unshakable. Climate change deniers. Though small in number, these politicians and fossil fuel industry bigwigs have had an outsized influence
1: on government policy. Because you have this embedded group industry that's had huge capital investment in this area, who knows a lot about one thing, how to pull carbon out of a rock, and they don't see why they need to change because they have found a whole bunch of this carbon and they think, well, we should be allowed to monetize that. The idea that an industry who has huge capital investment would fight to the end, even to the end at the point that it pushed them into bankruptcy, which to me is just, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just adapt But sometimes they don't have the capability of adapting.
0: But what they can't fight, says Van Dyke, is the sheer power of market forces. They
1: cannot change the fact that the economics driving solar, wind, and battery storage make it the cheapest form of power today in California to do for new power. In fact, in the United States, two-thirds of all new power put into place last year were either wind or solar facilities. The other third was nat gas. No coal, virtually zero coal. Think about that versus what that would have looked like 10 years ago. That's the kind of trends that if you're an investor, you need to be aware of and you need to react to. You don't want to be investing where it was. So the economics drive it. Eventually, the economics, the question is, how long will it take before they become overwhelming and they push how the capital was invested to where the capital needs to be going? In the case of global warming, I think this is where the millennials keep pushing. The quicker we make that change... The quicker we'll be mitigating future costs onto them, onto our grandkids, onto our kids. We'll be dealing with it as our generation because it is our mess and we should be cleaning it up.
0: Millennials have been on the forefront of the fight against global warming, pressuring their colleges to take massive endowment money out of fossil fuel companies. But their new way forward has been resisted by university investment professionals clinging to old investment strategies. In effect, it's the old way of doing business versus a new perspective on how things should be done moving forward.
1: Yes, I think millennials are the driving factor in the idea of embracing uh, environment, social, and governance factors. It's In many cases, they're educating their parents and grandparents that, hey, wait a minute, we're the ones who are going to be bearing the brunt of these decisions because we're going to have to deal with these problems that are going to be created, and we need to come up with the solutions. The solutions are here at hand that can help mitigate these risks now. And I think that what you can potentially see is that who are the more dynamic colleges that are actually adopting to the fact that we have a changing world? The one thing that's certain in capitalism and economics and in life is things are going to change. You can't stay the way things are. You have to be taking in new information, evaluating it, changing In something that's in the best interest, not only of yourself, but of the community that you live in.
0: In the end, the easiest way to gauge who's really winning in this philosophical battle
1: over investing is dollars and cents. The United States Social Investment Forum just came out with a study in 2016. It's their trends report, and they've been doing a number of them over the years. One in six dollars is invested in some sort of socially responsible investment tool or an investment way. In the area of the divest, invest movement, which is the idea of divesting from fossil fuels and investing in clean tech broadly defined, that movement started about five years ago, okay, with zero money. We are, as of December of 2016, we hit a $5 trillion mark. $5 trillion. So that movement has reached escape velocity on a global scale. And you're not going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. It's clear, says Van Dyke, that socially responsible investors can slowly but surely beat their rivals. When you look back in your life, you have one walk here. What are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, I died and made a billion dollars. Well, how did you make that money? Because it matters. It matters whether you did it through exploitation. It matters whether you did it in a way that helped society or not. And I think more and more people care about how they made their money and what the answer to that question is. And that's what I'm actually banking that the world will be saved on.
0: Van Dyke has found a way to do good and do well. That's a walk worth taking. Billions returns on February 19th with new episodes, Sunday nights at 10, 9 central, only on Showtime. This has been an episode of the Redefining Rivalries podcast series, a paid program for Showtime, produced by Wall Street Journal Custom Studios, a unit of the Wall Street Journal Advertising Department. Please visit WSJ.com slash podcast slash sponsor and SHO.com slash billions for other installments in the series. The Wall Street Journal News Organization was not involved in the creation of this content. For the Redefining Rivalries podcast series, I'm Lauren Tulagi.